Now, we're in Journey Through Genesis, part 14. This is Genesis 16 and Genesis 17, part 1. Tonight, we're going to make some progress. So I want to say a prayer. We're going to jump right into it. Father, thank you so much for your word. I pray, God, that you would speak to us through these holy scriptures, Lord, through these stories. Encourage us, edify us, Lord. Build us up, instruct us. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So Genesis 16, verse 1. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. Now, let's stop right there. Undoubtedly, Hagar was a gift to Abram and Sarai from Pharaoh during their time in Egypt. We saw this in Genesis 12, and he blessed them, gave them stuff, gave them personnel, and that probably included Hagar. Now, Ginsburg cites an old Jewish tradition that says when Abram and Sarai originally started their journey, they thought they were barren because they had not yet entered into the promised land. Like God had promised them land, and until they got into the land, they would remain barren. In other words, they couldn't have that kid until they got into the land that God had promised them. But by this time, by verse 1 here, they've been in the promised land for at least 10 years. We'll see it in the reading. And still... Sarai is barren. She has no kid. So, you know, they had their delays, and they're thinking, well, maybe if we can just get to the right place, then everything's going to be all right. But 10 years into it, still no kid. So in their impatience, they decided to help God out. You know the story. I've preached about it. It's an infamous story. So let's look at this, verse number 2. So Sarai said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarai. Then Sarai's, uh, Abram's wife took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. After Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan. So he went into Hagar, she conceived, and when she saw that she had conceived, Her mistress became despised in her eyes. So we see where Hagar now is married to Abram. She's pregnant and she despises Sarai. Now, Sarai blames the Lord for her barrenness, we see in our reading. And she followed a protocol of the day where she could give her handmaiden to her husband, and they could have children, but she would claim them as the master of the house as her own children. And so that's what she does, but immediately when Hagar is pregnant, there's this animosity between Sarah and Hagar. This ended up being a disastrous situation, but Abram was loyal to to Sarai. That was his wife. He loved Sarai. And so look at verses 5 and 6. Then Sarai said to Abram, My wrong be upon you. I gave my maid into your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between you and me. So Abram said to Sarai, Indeed, your, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. And when Sarai dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. So Hagar, get the picture, she's pregnant, Abram's caught in the middle, Sarah's mad, and she treats her harshly, and so Hagar flees, but God did not forsake her. Look at verse 7. Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarah's, Sarai's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarai. Now, I love the way that the Lord did not write her off. This was not her fault. 
She's kind of caught in the middle. She was a blessing to Abram and Sarah, and now there's a problem. Look at verse 9. The angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress, uh-oh, and submit yourself under her hand. Now, this is fascinating to me. The plan of God for her life was the best plan for her life, but not necessarily the easiest plan for her life. How many of you understand God sometimes asks you to do hard things, even though they're good for you? Eat your spinach, son. Eat your vegetables, honey. It's good for you, but it tastes terrible, but it's good for you. Sometimes you got to do the things that you don't want to do because they're good for you. So the Lord says, return to your mistress, submit yourself under her hand. So she has to submit to this woman that she's not happy with, and the woman's not happy with her. So God doesn't always ask us to do easy things. As our young people are studying and reading, sometimes he asks us to do hard things. Now, verse 10, look at this. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they shall not be counted for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are with child, and you shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has heard your affliction. He shall be a wild man. His hand shall be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. Now, this is interesting. This is the first time in your Bible that a child is named by God before it's born. Now, there's some good company for this. Isaac's going to be next. We also see John the Baptist is that way. Jesus Christ was that way. But it all started with a guy named Ishmael. Look at verse 13. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are the God who sees. For she said, Have I also here seen him who sees me? Therefore the well was called Beer Lehi Roi. Observe it. uh, Observe. Uh, It is between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar bore Abram's son, and uh, Abram named his son, whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. So apparently she returns. She tells Abram and Sarai what had happened, and they believe her. They know the Lord has visited her, and we know this because Abram calls the son Ishmael. And this well that she was near is is the well of the one who lives and sees. That's what uh, Lohi Roe means. The well of the one who lives and sees. God lives and sees. She was saying, he sees me right where I am. And he sees us right where we are. No matter how difficult, no matter how weird the spot we may be in, God knows right where we are. So now we're in chapter 17. Are you with me? So there were some awkward points in that story, but we made it right through there. So let's look at verses 1 and 2 in chapter 17. Are you with me? It's exciting, isn't it? When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God, walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Now, let's stop there. The Lord self-identifies as Almighty God. The word is, phrase is El Shaddai, the El Shaddai. Adam Clark, in his commentary, says when God calls himself El Shaddai, he is saying, I am God all-sufficient from Shada, meaning to shed or pour out, or I am that God who pours out blessings, who gives them richly, abundantly, continually. Donald Barnhouse points out that the Hebrew word shad means chest. He says, it may have in mind the strength of a man, God Almighty, or the comfort and nourishment of a mother, God of tender care. Another 
writer H.C. Leopold states, Shaddai comes from the root Shaddad, which means to display power. God is saying to Abraham, I have more than enough power to fulfill every promise that I have made to you. I have more than enough power to make you who I said you are. No matter what it looks like right now, Abraham, I have more than enough power to bring my word to pass in your life, Abram. The Septuagint translates the word with this Greek word that means almighty, meaning the one who has his hand on everything. One commentator says that he has the ability to make anything happen. And then we see when he self-identifies, I am the El Shaddai, that he belts out a command, walk before me and be blameless. Walk before me and be blameless. Now, blameless means holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, completely. In other words, the Lord is saying to Abram, it's time, son, for you to give me everything. It is time, son, for you to surrender all. You need to sing that song. I surrender all. It's time, Abram. Right now, I need you to quit holding back. I want all of you, son. Quit holding out on me. This indicates, doesn't it, that he had been holding out on God, holding back on God. And we know from the story, he's been half-hearted from the beginning. We see where God says, leave your family and go to this land. Well, he drags his family But he leaves Ur of the Chaldees. He halfway obeys. He doesn't go to the land that he was supposed to go to. He stops halfway in Haran until his father Terah dies. And then he moves on a little bit further. He's taking baby steps. We rejoice in baby steps. Don't get me wrong. But the Lord was saying, it's time for you to grow up, son. It's time for you to give me everything. I want you to stop being half-hearted. Now, in this chapter, God knew. Abram didn't know, but God knew That Isaac, the son of promise, the son that would be born to Abram and Sarai, would be born in less than one year. Abram doesn't know that. He's been waiting 24 years. Now Isaac is going to be born in less than a year. He has no idea. But the Lord knows this and is saying, Abram, you're almost there. He's saying, now is not the time to give me less. Now is the time to give me all. And and let me encourage somebody. The closer you get to the fulfillment of the dreams that God's put in your heart, that's not the time to give less. It's the time to give more. It's the time to get all. Don't get stingy just before your breakthrough. You remember the story of the guy that was mining for gold and he was digging and he was digging and he was digging and he was digging and and he realized, I'm never going to get there and he just gave up and quit, sold the mine and then the next person comes in and they dig just a few more feet and there was one of the biggest gold veins that anybody's ever found. That kind of story. Some of us, we've been digging for a long time It's like I preached Sunday, and it seems like we haven't gotten there yet. Don't give up. You're closer than you realize. It's not the time to hold back. It's the time to give all. Push it all in and trust God. He said to him, walk before me and be blameless. Walk before me and give me everything, Abram. Now, I do want to point this out. This is a walk. He says, walk before me and be blameless. He doesn't say, run before me. This is a walk. This is a lifestyle. Your Christianity is not supposed to be made up of herky-jerky, roller coaster highs, 
to roller coaster lows, fits and starts. It's supposed to be a walk, step by step, uh, hour by hour, structured daily, minute by minute, just walking with God. And here's what I love about Abram. I love this. Look, Verse 3, look at this. Then Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying. Now, let's just stop right there. Part of the walk was he fell on his face. Walking with God sometimes means you stop and you you drop to your knees. You fall on your face. And I love the fact that he didn't shake his fist at the rebuke. This was a rebuke. But he doesn't shake his fist and say, God, I have been walking for 24 years. Dead gum years. Can I say that? Is that legal? I don't know. I have been walking for 24 years. I have been walking. Don't you get it? I've given everything I've got, Lord. I I mean, I gave my all, but I guess my all wasn't good enough. I'm just keeping you awake, right? Some of you children don't even know what I'm singing. Some of you, some of you do. Some of you do. He could have just, you know, walked away. I'm done. What do you mean? No. Not Abram, though. He shows us how it's done. He is a father of the faithful. He fell on his face. He humbled himself before the Lord. He bowed the knee. One way to look at this is he worshiped. And the result was God began to talk to him about covenant stuff. Give him some deeper revelation. Listen, if you'll walk with God, if you'll be humble before the Lord, if you'll worship Him, our God will talk you through the next steps that you need to take in your walk with Him. Hallelujah. He'll show you what to do. He'll lead and guide you. He didn't bring you this far just to leave you. He wants to take you all the way in to the promises that He's made to you. Now chapter 17 documents Abram's revolutionary encounter with God. These moments in the presence of God changed everything for Abram and there is so much to learn from this chapter. I'm fascinated. This is one of my favorite chapters in all of the Bible. It's a pivotal chapter that shows us some very powerful principles. And so I want to look at them, revisit them. Some of you, maybe you'll hear some of this for the first time, but this is so powerful. Back in Genesis 15, God put it like this, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the heavens. We talked about that. There's 8,000 stars visible to the naked eye. And the Lord took him outside and said, look at all those stars. That's how many descendants you're going to have. Well, that was fulfilled in Egypt early on. Remember Jacob and the, and the boys ended up in Egypt with Joseph. And, and so you had 70 and 700 and eventually 8,000 and then millions. And so that was fulfilled in, in Egypt. In Genesis 22, in hindsight, he talks about his descendants being as numerous as As the sand on the seashore, I love the beach. I'm just going to tell you right now, I love the beach. You ever tried to count the sand, the little flakes, the little grains of sand on the seashore? He said, that's how many descendants you're going to have. And that's different than 8,000 stars. So there were some major promises made, but it would all start with one. Before there could be 8,000, before there could be millions, there had to be one. And 24 years after the initial promise, Abe and Sarai did not have even that. And he had said to the Lord, maybe Eliezer is the one, my, my servant, and then we're, he 
says to the Lord, maybe Ishmael, only Ishmael would live before you and be the one. But the Lord said, neither one of them was the one. So 24 years after hearing from God about the promise, 24 years after leaving their past behind, 24 years after realizing they were made for more than just living in Babylonian Ur the rest of their lives, 24 years after first obeying the Lord, even though they hesitated and took baby steps and one step up, two steps back, 24 years after starting this journey, forget the stars in the heaven and the sand on the seashore, they don't have one. They don't have the first one. And to make matters worse, it had become biologically impossible for Abe and Sarah to have a child. It looked as though they had wasted all of this time, and it looks like they're completely out of time. This is amazing to me. Maybe there's somebody in this house today, and you think, God's made me some promises, but I think I've run out of time. When you first started following Him, you just knew that you had heard from God, and He made you some promises, and now after all this time, it seems further away than ever. You've been blessed, sure, God's done some things, but some of those core promises, I don't know if you can relate to what I'm saying, but some of those promises He made when you were younger, they resonated deep in your spirit, and they caused you to leave the borders of the familiar and step out in faith on this great venture into the unknown. Those promises, some of them have not come to pass, and frankly, you're wondering if they ever will. I want to tell you something. I want to encourage you. Now is not the time to quit. Now is the time to walk and worship and listen as He talks and gives you fresh direction. Amen? Give Him some praise. Can you do it? Thank you, Jesus. Encourage us tonight, Lord. God can do more for you when you have nothing than you can do for yourself when you've got everything. Billy Graham puts it like this. When you come to the end of yourself, you come to the beginning of God. And pathetic timing to us can be absolutely perfect timing to God. When it becomes absolutely, entirely, totally, and completely impossible for Abe and Sarah to have a kid, God says, this is perfect. Woo! We're in a setup now. Listen to how it said in Genesis 22. Now this is down the road, this is hindsight, this is looking back. Genesis 22, which I, that's another amazing chapter we're going to cover. But listen to this, verse 1, And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken, for Sarah conceived and bare Abram a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. I can't explain it. I can't wrap my mind around it. But God was right on time. Habakkuk 2.3, favorite verses here. The, the, the third verse of Habakkuk 2. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it. Because it will surely come and it will not tarry. The message puts that like this. It aches for the coming. It can hardly wait and it doesn't lie. If it seems slow in coming, you just wait. It's on its way. It will come right on time. I've said this before. Dottie Pe Peoples put it like this. He may not come when you want him, but he'll be there right on time because he's an on-time God. Yes, he is. When Abe and Sarah no longer had the ability to produce a child, God said to them, get the nursery ready. Go ahead and register at Babies Are Us and Target and Wally World and those other places because it's time for you and Sarah to have a little baby. It is time. Rock-a-bye, baby. Get, the, get those little songs ready. Get the docketot ready. I'm familiar with modern lingo now when it comes to, I'm learning this. 
But yeah, you know, they don't make the old swings anymore like we used to use. The swings were like a drug. Anybody remember the we did the old wind up swing? You know, not the battery. I wind it up, and then it's like, and Caleb just in a matter of minutes was like in a coma. He was saying, now that it is physically impossible for you two to have a kid, you need to prepare the nursery. It is time. Now, we're going to deal, I'm going to skip some verses and we're going to deal with them next week. But circumcision is right in the middle of this story. God's going to change Abram's name. He's going to change Sarah's name. But right in the middle is the rite of circumcision. And we're going to deal with this uh, next week. But basically, and you understand this, circumcision is the cutting away of the flesh. And the idea is this. Quit relying on yourself. Quit trying to help me out. Quit trying to make things happen. You just trust me. You just lean on me. Don't lean on the arm of the flesh. You lean on me totally. Walk before me and be blameless. Give me everything you've got and watch what I do. I'm going to tell you something. When God fulfills his promise, you don't have to wonder who's going to get the glory you're not going to, he will not share his glory with another. He took it all the way down to where it was absolutely impossible. And then the miracle took place. And everybody in the story had to say, to God be the glory for all that he has done. You don't have to worry when it's God. I told you guys this before, but one time in, an, in a time of testing and a season of disaster at Life Point. We didn't have any money. We had bills. We're dying. And I called Brother Marcelli, Rick Marcelli, a mentor of my life, a pastor of my life. I said, Brother Marcelli, we're dying. You know, now here's a backstory on that. One time, years and years ago, after I moved back from Maryland, I was decompressing from church planting, and Brother Marcelli called me up and said, what do you need, Donovan? I want to know where you are. We had just moved back from Maryland, and we were relocating and trying to find our next steps. And Brother Marcelli said, "What do you need anything? I said, well, I could, I'm a little short on money. We're, the move's been very expensive. He said, how much do you need? I said, well, honestly, Brother Marcelli, we need about $2,500. And he said, okay, all right, let me see what I can do. And so if anybody knows Paul Trinicost, Paul was working with Brother Marcelli, and Paul's from New York, he's Italian, he's got to have mafia connections, and Paul calls me, and no joke, this is how he talks, he says, Brother Donovan, I said, yeah, hey, Brother Paul, he said, hey, I need you to meet me, Pastor has something he wants me to give you, I said, where are we going to meet, he said, meet me at the Shell Station, over on 190, you know, so I'm like, okay. So I go meet Paul, and Paul, I get out, we meet, like, it's just crazy. I'm thinking, like, I hope the cops aren't around. And Paul, oh, like, opens his trunk, and he's like, 100, 200, 300, here's $2,500 from Pastor right here. It was all cash, you know, and I'm like, why, thank you, thank you, right? So I'm in a disaster. I call Brother Marcelli, you know, the guy that sends his mafia over, gives me cash, but he doesn't do it this time. He just gets all excited. He's like, oh, my goodness, that is incredible. You're doing great, Donovan. I'm like, no, I'm not, Pastor. Like, I, I got bills. We're behind. Like, I got rent. Uh, I got all kind of stuff going on. And, and, and I don't, you know, we don't have any people hardly. And the people we got ain't giving nothing. And, like, we struggling. And he's like, oh, you're, you're in the perfect will of God. What do you mean, Pastor? He said, you're in a position for a miracle from heaven. God is going to show out on your behalf. You're in an impossible situation. Oh, he just starts getting all excited. It made me mad. He's like, "Woo, this is awesome. He's like shouting on the other end. And I'm trying to feel it, but I ain't feeling it at all. 
But he was absolutely right because the Lord came through and God got the glory. Not Paul Trinicost, not Rick Marcelli, but the Lord came through. And here we are, years later, because at just the right time, in just the right circumstances, God got the glory. So, when it was time to get this baby born, when it was time for God to fulfill His word, and for Abe and Sarah to walk into their destiny, God simply yet profoundly caused them to begin to put His promises about who God said they were in their mouths, on their tongues. God caused them to begin to declare what God had already said about them for themselves. For the first time, they began to say what God had already said about them. And they began to get a vision of what actually was possible. Now let me say this, giving a little groundwork here. If you want the power of faith to be activated in your life, I want to challenge you. Don't write me off when I say this, but I want to challenge you. Put that faith in your mouth. Get your words lined up with what God has already said about you. Faith is meant to be. It is designed to be in your mouth. Romans 10, 8 through 10. The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your what? Mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your what? That God has raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. To confess means to say the same thing. It means to speak in agreement with. Walk before me, Abram. How can any two agree if they don't walk together? How can any two walk together if they don't agree? Walking in agreement involves speaking in agreement. Are you with me? This is powerful. 2 Corinthians 4.13 says this, And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe, and therefore I spoke, we also believe, and therefore speak. If you are ready to receive what God has promised you, how many of you are ready to receive what God's promised you? I'm ready to receive what God has promised me. If that's you, then put his promises in your mouth. The word in your heart is one thing. But when you engage your mouth with your heart and his word, you are establishing that word. And I'm telling you, things begin to change. It was time for the faith in Abram's heart to get in his mouth. And when it did, it changed everything about him. It changed his circumstances forever. And I believe God will do the same thing with us. Now let's look at how God got the word into Abram's mouth. Here's how he did it. Verses 4 through 6. As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram. But your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. Hallelujah. Look at verses 15 through 19. Let's skip down to there. We'll cover 7 through 14 next week. 
But look at 15 through 19. Then God said to Abraham, As for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her and give you a son by her, and I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of peoples shall be from her. Then Abram, Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? And Abram said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Then God said, No, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you will call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. So notice he changes Abram's name from Abram to Abraham. Abram means father of stature, father of height. It could even mean father of many, according to some. But Abraham means father of multitudes, father of nations. It is exactly what God promised him 24 years earlier. And now he said, you're going to start calling yourself what I called you 24 years ago. You're going to get in agreement with me. You're going to walk with me. You're going to talk with me. You're going to walk like me. And you're going to talk like me. You're going to receive strength to have a child. And you're going to talk like you're one who can have a child. How are you going to do that to Abram? I'm going to change his name. He's going to start to see himself as I saw him all those years ago. Abraham, father of nations. Sarai means one who watches. Thank God we're finally to the name change. And I can quit calling him Abram. I can always call him Abraham and Sarah. It's always the struggle in doing this. Sarai means one who watches. It means an observer. Sarah means a princess, one with authority, one who participates. God changed their names, forced them to self-identify exactly as He had already identified them. God made them put the word about them in their mouths. And when they did, Within one year, Isaac was born, which means within three months, Sarah was pregnant. Isn't that amazing? 24 years. And God says now that it's impossible. I'm going to change the way you talk about yourself. I'm going to tell you something. Years ago, I was fussing and griping with Valerie up in Maryland back in our church planting days in the mid-Atlantic and the great white north. And we were planting a church and we were struggling and I was in a just a griping mood, just griping. And Valerie was getting on my last nerve. She doesn't do that anymore at all. But back then, I was under a lot of pressure and I was griping and fussing and and I would, I would, it got to where I'd do it by myself. Like, I'd gripe at her, and then I'd leave. And I'd still be griping at her, even though she wasn't even there. I'm like, I'll tell you one thing. You know, don't do that. Just don't do that. I'll tell you something else. You know, don't do that. I'm just griping and fussing, and she wasn't even there. <laughs> Confession is good for the soul. Woo, that's awesome. So, so me, me and Mr. Billy here, we've both done that, right? But we're, we're just, I'm just fussing. And the, the Holy Ghost, I'm telling you, spoke to me and said, your little cursing, he called it cursing, in private, has more of an impact on you, your marriage, your church, than you think. Those little words means something. Jesus said, by your words you are justified, and by your words you are condemned. Jesus said, you'll give account for every idle word. Every word that comes out of your mouth is, is loaded with faith or fear. With faith 
or doubt. And, and Abram and Sarah, they had filled their days. They were trying their best, but they, they had filled their days with self-deprecation. I can't do this. Just ain't happening. I don't know all that Ishmael would do. I wish we could do this. And the Lord said, no, zip it. You're going to start saying, I am who I am, says I am. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. I am a father of nations. Kings are coming out of me. I think that it was just, it, it wasn't, it didn't just stop at the name because obviously he's got an entourage. There are hundreds of people that work for him. He's coming in contact with many people that knew him as Abram. And he's having to go to them and say, don't call me Abram anymore. The voice has been talking to me again. Those voices that you say you heard in the first place. Oh, yeah. That voice is talking to me and said, my name is Abraham. Well, what do you mean by that? You're not a father of nations. You're not even a father of anything but Ishmael. And he ain't the one you say. And, and, and he said, no, you don't understand. My name is Abram. I am a father of nations. Kings are going to come out of me. Nations are going to come out of me. God's going to do something incredible. He had to explain it. And those were words of faith that lined up with the word. The word is near you. It's even in your heart and in your mouth. The word of faith which we speak. Are you with me? So you have this idea the word in their heart and in their mouth began to change things. Second Corinthians 4:18. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. That word temporary means subject to change. The things which are seen are subject to change. It looks like we're barren. It looks like we've not had any kids. It looks like we're fruitless in our marriage. But I want to tell you something. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. And the Word says, I'm a father of nations. And, and oh, honey bear here is a princess, right? And, and, and together, God's going to give us a child. Abram and Sarah began to take the never-changing Word of God and apply pressure to their circumstances, which were subject to change, and they did change. Everything changed. Let me apply this a little further. The word in your mouth will punch a hole through the veil of the temporary and pull God's eternal promises into our reality. That's how our circumstances change. The word in your mouth will force your circumstances to comply with the word. You need to quit seeing yourself with just your natural eyes and begin to see yourself through the eyes of faith. You need to begin to believe my circumstances can change. When the word of God got in their mouths within three months, within 90 days, everything changed. It's amazing when you begin to reel those words in, zip it. Sometimes when you feel like fussing and cussing, you just need to shut up. Sometimes when you feel like griping and being negative and throwing out, spewing out those fear-filled words, just zip it up. Get a hold of yourself. Take 10 deep breaths. Get your mind on the word. Perfect peace have they whose mind is stayed on thee. And say, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I'm a new creation. God, you've done amazing things in my life. And, 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 and you're able to finish that which you completed. Every promise you've made to me is going to come to pass. I'm not giving up on my marriage. I'm not giving up on my children. I'm not giving up on the provision that you promised to me because you made me some promises, and I'm going to put them in my mouth. I'm going to let that faith rise up. And it's like a circular thing. I, 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 maybe this is new to some of you. Maybe it's old to some of you. I don't know. But you do understand faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. 
I'm going to be honest with you. Feeding on CNN or Fox News or NBC or all this negative junk, it is a constant cycle of negativity. It's not designed to lift you up. Now, I'm not about putting my head in the sand and denying reality. But on the other hand, like how many times do I have to hear the story about this one or that one or this political situation or Kim Jong-un? How many times do I have to hear the story? Okay, I got it. Done with it. I'm going to put my mind on Jesus. I'm going to put in some Jesus music. I'm going to give him some worship. I'm going to follow my face. I am not of this world. I've been born again, baby. I'm from another world, another reality. And these circumstances are subject to change. Give him some praise. Hallelujah. Stand with me all across the house. Hallelujah. Romans 4 is fascinating. This is what happened. Therefore, it's a faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all to see, not only to those who are of the law, but to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead. And check this out. God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. God calls things that be not, King James, as though they were. Here's what God does not do. God does not call things that are as though they are not. That is denying reality. And he doesn't ask us to do that. We don't say, I have no bills. I have no bills. I have no rent. I have no electric bill. I have no bills. That's denying reality. You just put some action with that and don't pay the bills that you don't have. And you just watch what Entergy does. You just watch what the bank does. They'll be knocking on your door turning off your power, and then you're like, I don't not have power. <laughs> I don't not have electricity. You don't deny reality. God doesn't deny reality. He didn't look at Abram and say, you are not beyond the years of having a child. Rather, he called that which was not as though it was. He said, in spite of the fact that you're beyond the years of having a child, you are the father of nations. God doesn't deny reality. He calls that from another world stuff. And he pulls it in and punches it in to this reality and changes it because he's God. And he said, now here's how it's going to happen. You're going to start calling things that be not as though they were also. Look at verse 18. Who contrary to hope, in other words, when there was no hope, Abraham in hope believed. So that he could become the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith. Now he had been weak in faith for years and I'll prove that here in just a second. Who, not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old. This is right here where God changed his name and changed the way he talked when he was about a hundred years old, 99 years old. Right here. This is, what it, this is what the result of what God did was. He was no longer weak in faith. He hoped against hope. And when it says he did not consider his own body already dead, that, that doesn't mean he denied that. Literally, the Greek is he faced the fact that he was not able to have children and the deadness of Sarah's womb. And now that he's got his words lined up, are you with me? He did not waver at the promises of God through unbelief. No more wavering when he's about 100. Here in this 90-day period of time, 
he got a lot of issues worked out. But was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Hebrews 11, by faith Sarah herself also received strength to conceive and she bore a child. When? When she was past age. Because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars in the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is on the seashore. Didn't take long. I just want to challenge you tonight. It doesn't take long. If you'll get a hold of that negative thinking, if you'll get a a hold of that fear, if you'll get a hold of that stuff and put the word in your mouth, and there's balance here. I'm not saying you're like, I'm going to get a gold Cadillac. I'm going to get a Mercedes Benz. I'm going to get a Rolex. I'm going to get all this stuff. No, I'm not talking about that. But listen, what has God promised you? What about healing for your body? What about your lost children that you're believing for? What about he will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory? What about seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you? Start putting those words in your mouth. That's who I am, Lord. I seek you first. And all these things, you take care of them, Lord. You take care of the birds of the air. You take care of the flowers. The You're going to take care of me. Lord, how much more do you take care of me? I'm your child. I'm your beloved. I, I, I stand in your righteousness. I come into your presence without fear or intimidation, Lord, because you have invited me in to the throne of grace that I could receive help in the time of need. That's who I am. Devil, you're a liar and a thief. My old man is gone. I buried him in those waters of baptism in a watery grave. I'm a new creation. That kind of language, brothers, it doesn't take long. You start talking like that, your circumstances will change. Can you lift your hands to them right now? Thank you, Jesus, for your favor, for your goodness, for the challenge. Let the fruit of our lips, God, be an acceptable sacrifice, an offering to you, God. Let us sing a new song to the Lord song of your faithfulness and goodness and grace. God, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh God. Let me bow my knee. Let me give you worship and walk with you every day so you can talk to me every day and lead me into those next steps. Show me deeper things about this covenant into which I've been born, God. Tell me more about my birthright, Lord. Tell me more about my inheritance. Tell me more about what you've promised me, God. Tell me more about the blessings on this side and the blessings which are to come. Use my hands. Use my feet. Use my voice. Let me be used for your glory, God. I don't have to be that loser. I don't have to be that one that's floundering. I don't have to be that one without a hope and a future. But God, I could be that child of the living God who's full of expectation. God is with me. If God is for me, who can be against me? Hallelujah.